editing, I'm recording, and we are recording. So mm. it's a good time for you to stop talking. I will do that. I will just stop talking right now. Perfect. Welcome back, listeners, to Dance Robot Dance. This is the 268th episode of our weekly podcast where we talk about all things geeky and nerdy from a decidedly not safe work, not safe for work point of view. I am Tim, going to be hosting this week, coming to you from Toronto, Ontario. And with me, I have Mark, coming from St. Catherine. What's up, everybody? Yeah, not much, and and not much in the fucking like world of, of geekery, either. No. It has been a quiet week, so, I mean... Yeah, that's fine, I guess. Yeah, that it has to happen every once in a while, and we're kind of in that season where there's like not new trailers and shit coming out because you know everything's already coming out soon, and all the movies that like are coming out soon are movies we've been looking at trailers for for three years now. Yeah, right. Like it's all Dune and yeah, Dune and Bond and this, that, and yeah, the other thing. Yeah, exactly. and, uh, Venom or whatever. Ugh. Yeah, I know that's coming up soon too. So yeah, yeah. Well, it's actually. I'll I'll start with that then. It's actually coming out earlier than they said it was going go. to. Yeah, <laughs> they fucking moved that shit up. It was going to be October fifteenth, and now they have pushed it up two weeks to October first. I guess you know the the theaters and studios are starting to see like, oh hey, fucking Shang Chi did great in its opening weekend in theaters. So let's you know maybe not be shit fucking scared of putting movies out in theaters right now <laughs> we'll see if it continues to go that way but yeah shang chi did perform admirably over the uh it's long weekend debut so this <clears throat> means two fucking weeks earlier that we're gonna have to go see fucking venom i don't have to pay sony money to see this piece of shit yeah that is the problem right like <laughs> if they were forced to put it out online we could probably get it through other means and not <laughs> technically give sony money for doing this yeah but uh yeah no we'll have to go i mean i gave the money for the last one i'm not saying i want it to be bad but i feel like it's gonna be bad it doesn't look good (laughs) really really doesn't and yeah we all know our feelings about the last one so in pretty sad hollywood news michael k williams who listeners will know as Omar on The Wire and also yeah. was a chalky white on Boardwalk Empire. He also had a role in the last season or so of Community as one of the teachers. He passed away of a looks like drug overdose this past week at the age of 54. He had been pretty open about his issues with substance abuse in the past. So that's pretty sad that he was ultimately succumbed to that. So, yeah, that sucks. He was in almost all of my favorite TV for the past like 20 years. Like like literally almost every show he has an appearance in. He's in The Sopranos. He's the guy who yeah. turned on Jackie Aprio. He's in The Wire and he's also in Oz, I think, early on too. Like, oh. he's, he makes an appearance in basically all those. And he always gives, he always gave like a really memorable oh my God, too. Yeah. Like Omar was fucking outstanding and it was also an interesting character because like you didn't often in that day in like the early 2000s have, you know, like a black criminal kind of character that was also like out gay as well yeah it's a gay black criminal character that you also like super rooted for you know what i mean oh yeah for sure omar cohen awesome yeah (laughs) yep man's gotta have a code yeah shit that show is still the fucking best show i've ever watched so yeah that deserves a rewatch at some point oh yeah that's uh i started watching the sopranos this week but i'll probably get to the wire the wire feels way too heavy yeah, to rewatch, you know what I mean. That's, that's why I just restarted it's watching so The Office again because I, yeah, I just yeah, yeah. need something light again. 
yeah, to, yeah absolutely so yeah the wire feels i'd be like oh my god they, they told us all this shit in 1999 what are we doing what are we doing yeah like listening to rage records right now you know what i mean it's, yeah huh? yep uh what else we've gotten a couple more of these rick and morty shorts with chris lloyd and that kid from it i don't know what they're i mean if these are just like this is it this is all they're doing with it or if it's gonna be more than that and they're gonna do a live action episode or something at one point i don't fucking know i don't know the finale came out we'll talk about that next week probably because oh shit yeah i I haven't watched that yet i need to get on that yeah no i watched them both it was pretty good i enjoyed it Uh, and uh the last bit of news that i had for this week was i know i mentioned that disney is doing a muppet haunted mansion uh, and uh, I don't know. It's it's not it's not the the Muppet Haunted Mansion. It's the Haunted Mansion movie uh, that they've been talking about for a while. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield and Tiffany Hallish, Haddish had already been announced for, and now we know that Owen Wilson is also going to be in that movie, presumably in a lead role. Because how do you put Owen Wilson in a movie and not have him be in a lead role? I guess Disney is just like, yeah, we got Owen Wilson. We're just going to keep using him. We used him in Loki. Going to use him in this. Probably use him in like six or seven other things now. I mean, if you have Owen Wilson, I guess you use him. I don't know. Like, yeah. He's not my favorite dude on the planet, but he was good in Loki. So. Yeah, just have him in there wowing up the scenery. Yeah, basically, I guess. <laughs> that was everything I had, Mark, unless you think that I missed anything. I literally, like, I'm looking right now just to see, like, it's, if we have, if there's anything. But it, it, ha- it has been a short week. So when you're listening to this, there's usually not the gap that there, uh, you know, there's usually a smaller gap between when we record and no, there's usually more of a gap. Oh yeah. 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 yeah I guess. Yeah. yeah so this yeah, week we're saying it that way. Yeah. yeah. We're recording a, a day or two earlier than we normally do. And we know that there's a bunch of shit, including a, uh, new, uh there's a star Trek trailer that's dropping tomorrow. Yeah. So you guys will hear all about that shit next week when I'm out of town and Mark will presumably be doing something with Paul. Yeah. We'll figure something <laughs> out. So. All right. Well, with that, we can, move on to geek of the week for the first like i don't know this is the first time we've done it this early in the podcast in a very long time so it's time for geek of the week which is a segment of our podcast where we talk about the nerdiest thing that we've done in the past week or so mark what is your geek of the week so i'm gonna rant about wrestling for like five minutes so you can just tune right the fuck out (laughs) don't yeah, no, there was a pay-per-view this weekend, and I watched it. And it, the only reason I actually watched it, because it was CM Punk had come back, and was counting his first match back. Uh, he's come back and joined AEW. You and Steven need to do a wrestling episode. It's not actually, I was actually talking to him about it that night on yeah. <laughs> Twitter, because he was, yeah, I noticed he was watching it as well. So yeah, we might have to, maybe next pay-per-view will make you watch it and have Steven come on. That's what I was thinking Sounds would good. be a fun episode. Yeah, I did that, but like, it's, I don't know. I feel like pro wrestling has left me behind, but I'm still like torturing myself with it. It kind of feels like you and those DC shows that you kept watching forever, where you're just like, I don't want to watch them all. Why? Well, because I started it. Like, well, okay. exactly. So, I should just keep going at this point. Yeah. yeah no, that's not. So the, the problem is way. those shows have an ending. Wrestling yeah, never ends. It never does. No, that's the thing. And I can and I walk away from wrestling all the time. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. everything just gets dumber and dumber. But I was like, I'm gonna watch this one because CM Punk's back, and I like Punk when he was around. And I had heard rumors that Daniel Bryan was gonna was jumping ship from WWE to AEW, and they've had a bunch of these happening over the last couple of months, where like relatively big name guys or like guys who were supposed to be like the next generation superstar kind of thing have just bounced on WWE and gone down to AEW. So like, 
the guy who was just NXT champion. NXT is WWE's developmental brand Bush or League. whatever. Yeah, they're Bush League. The guy who was just their champion, Adam Cole, showed up on AEW's pay-per-view. And then two minutes later, Daniel Bryan, who was like WWE champion like this time last year or something like that, is now on AEW TV. Uh, I think one of the girls that showed up in the women's thing was also a former NXT person. I'd never seen her before. I think she was from before when I was watching NXT. So all of a sudden, there's all these WWE guys that are in AEW. And I'm like, yeah, I, we should probably just do that episode at some point. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have to explain it to you. Because I don't like, I don't know. I have no idea how I felt about the show. I'm like, wow, they're just like dumping surprises on me. I'm like, what's the payoff of all this going to be? Are they going to have any matches? Okay, cool. I guess everybody's really happy, though, because Dan, like Daniel Bryan coming over is kind of neat. But I don't know. I don't know. It's just all flash, no actual substance kind of thing. <laughs> it does. They've got it's weird because like and we'll probably talk about it if we ever do do this episode. AEW's got the most ridiculously stacked roster right now. They've got they must have 110 fucking wrestlers on their thing. And some Oof. of these guys are like the best fucking like in ring talents in the world. And but yet, like you can't do anything time, substantial with that big of a roster, right? Like half of exactly. them are fucking like on what once a month or some shit. It's if basically that. like you'll get like your some of their best homegrown talent, like homegrown small name, like guys who really kind of became famous as AEW has been on TV in the last year, like MJF and Jungle Boy and stuff like that. Or I I would imagine at this point are just like CM Punk and Daniel Bryan are now our main event. Like we're fucked. We're never getting <laughs> up there at this point because those are the two best. They're two of the best ever, you know what I mean? Yeah. And they've got a whole bunch of other guys who like did Japan stuff, and Chris Jericho's still around, and John Moxley's around. Like the upper card is very full. So I would, if I was a homegrown AEW talent watching like Adam Cole, Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, and a bunch of other dudes just like either walking in or about to walk in, I'd be like, well, I might need to call Vince McMahon and see if I can go get back on the other show that all these motherfuckers are leaving. <laughs> this is going to turn into it's just turning into WCW. And WWE in the late 90s, early 2000s, where the talent just goes back and forth until one of them kills the other. Like, one brand kills the other. That's where this is going. It's going right down the same way. They're just going to, like, do a brand war. And if Vince is still alive, he's going to be like, well, what? Buy him or kill him or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Either yeah. way, it was it was an interesting show. Fucking four and a half hours long, though. I even, like, I like a good pro wrestling show as much as the next guy. But, like, your pay-per-views are too long, guys. Like, you too much talent. <laughs> And not everybody needs to have a 30-minute fucking classic on every show. So, holy shit, four hours is too long for a pay-per-view. <laughs> anyway, you can tune back in now. <laughs> I, you can tell me about your Geek of the Week. My Geek of the Week is I, I got to indulge in a little bit of like new tech nerdery this week. Because uh, I'm going on vacation next week. I'm going to Florida. Everybody pray for me. To I can't pray for somebody who's voluntarily going to fucking Florida. You know what I mean? That seems very hypocritical of me to ask a god I don't believe in's intervention for you being an idiot. So I'm sorry. We're going, we're going down for our first sort of like big post-COVID trip uh, to do Halloween Horror Nights at Universal, and then a few days at Disney as well, and visit with some friends. Uh, we're going with my friend Rebecca, who was on our podcast uh, back on the episode where we talked to the people from the OneRing.net. So Rebecca's. What, when did we do that? I don't even remember that. <laughs> you were tuned up for that one because Probably. it was it was Tolkien related. Yes, yeah. that's what happens. But as part of that, like, so I'm going to be doing like a lot of walking in the parks and shit. And I was like, well, I should like my old smartwatch. The point I'm getting at, it was like fucking 
damn near useless at this point. It won't hold a charge at all. And so like it's useless for like tracking steps and like fitness tracking and that kind of thing. Uh, so like it, it'll hold a charge for like maybe four or five hours max, which is fucking pointless for a smart device. So I got a new smartwatch. Uh, I got a Galaxy Watch 4 Classic, which literally just came out like I think about two weeks ago now. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's nice. It's the first galaxy watch that like the first samsung watch that has been made like specifically for non like the to work with non samsung uh watches basically like all the other samsung like galaxy watches i think were like mostly made to work in like that little samsung ecosystem kind of thing oh you mean with samsung phones i was like wait the samsung watch doesn't work with a samsung watch what did you just say no yeah yeah to work with the samsung galaxy phones the new Samsung watch is now designed to work with phones that are not just Samsung Galaxy phones. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now it works with basically any Android device. It runs off Android Wear. There is still some Google functionality that it's missing. Like you can't use like the Google Assistant with it and stuff like that. And like, that's what all our whole house runs on, but they're, they're adding that in. It's just, they didn't have it. It's not, I mean, I'm sure what's happened is that, they were like, we want you to try the Samsung version of like the assistant and shit first. And then we hope that you'll like it and keep using it. And then we'll add the Google assistant. And what's actually going to happen is everybody's going to instantly fucking switch to Google assistant. Cause that's what they've used to. They're used to, and like is already like trained to recognize their voice commands and shit like that. And so voice command. Yeah. <laughs> but either way, <laughs> either way, it's much better than my last watch. It's got more, functionality in terms of like wellness and health stuff it's got a blood oxygen sensor so i'll know if i if my, my blood oxygen starts going down at some point because i've caught covid or whatever it does like better sleep tracking it'll even do like shit like like it can tell you how stressed you are and like do like body composition analysis and those sorts of things which is interesting uh, and it looks like a lot nicer than my last watch too so yeah that's my geek of the week cool yeah, I've like got into the watch thing. I don't I'm not worn a watch in a long time. And I don't feel like adding one to my day to day. Yeah, I mean the major thing that I use it for is for like uh, activity tracking and exercise tracking and yeah. stuff like that. Like especially track your heart rate and it will calculate like how many calories you burn in when you're doing whatever exercise or whatever. So Alright, then we can move on to our meat of the episode. Shredded bee-covered meat. So it's like honey meat. That too. Honey garlic meat. I don't know. Honey, yeah, honey garlic meat. That works too. <laughs> uh, so we watched the, in lieu of the re- recent release of the Nia Costa directed 2021 version of Candyman, which I have not seen yet. And I don't think Mark has seen yet. I didn't have a chance to go see it. I'm planning. I was planning actually before we moved this recording, this was the night that I was planning to go see it. I was like, oh, Wednesday's the perfect night for me to go see it. I have nothing to do <laughs> and no other things to happen. You're like, oh, can we record Wednesday? I was like, well, yeah, all right, whatever. Well, now, I mean, now you can go see it tomorrow night. Yeah, I'll go see it tomorrow, probably. <laughs> uh, so because that new movie came out, uh, it struck me that it's been a long, long time since I, I've watched the original Candyman movie from 1992 with Tony Todd. And so I suggest we do that this week. So, I mean, this is... He said, came out in 1992. Tony Todd plays the titular character. Uh, Virginia Madsen plays the other lead across from him. And then it was directed by Bernard Rose, who's had like a really 
all over the place kind of career. He has done a few other relatively big things. Like he did Immortal Beloved, which is that like Beethoven movie yeah. biopic in 1994. He did uh, Two Jacks, which was a comedy from like 2012 that was based on a fucking Leo Tolstoy short story. What else did he do? Well, this is based on a short story, isn't it? Like this is yeah, a Clive this Barker. Yeah, it's ba- based on a Clyde Barker short story that in the case of that short story was, what was it called? Uh, the short story was called The Forbidden and was played really heavily on sort of English London class differences kind of thing. Yeah. And then he took that and decided he was going to do that in like inner city Chicago and like put the big like heavy racial element into it as well. Yeah, so that is the movie. Um, Mark, what is your history with this movie before we get into things? Well, I saw Candyman like back in the day for sure. Probably rented it on VHS or something like that. And I, I like I remember liking it back then, but I haven't seen it in like it may have been since the '90s since I've seen it. I remember okay. enjoying it though. So like yeah. I had like I've seen it, and I'm pretty sure I saw the there's a there's a couple sequels. And I'm pretty sure I've seen at least the first one. Any of the ones that Tony Todd was in, I would look at just because I always, what always catches me about this movie and what caught me about this movie this time again was his performance is excellent. Like he's super fucking mm-hmm. creepy. Very good at playing like a, like kind of over the top, like very arch, but like just evil villain. Yeah. So the first three, uh, there was a trilogy that came out in like the nineties and they all had Tony Todd as Candyman. Yeah. And then after that, there was nothing until 2021. So like a 20 plus year gap uh, with the, the Nia Costa movie. So yeah, I think I've seen all three of them as well. Um, I'm in a similar boat to you. It has, I, I think I originally saw these movies in like the early two thousands when I was kind of just like, just consuming as much sort of, you know, classic or like mainstay horror as I could find at the time sort of thing. You know, this is in like the, st- that would have still been like the jumbo video, like fucking yeah. Or like very low res downloads, you know, pirate, oh, download, yeah, yeah. pirated downloads, that kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. So, but yeah, so I, I definitely had seen it and I, I I'm similar to your boat. Like I remembered liking it, but like just did not have a massive, like there, there was definitely a lot of images that I remembered from it, but yeah. not and sort of general impressions that I have of it. But I remembered very little of the overall storyline. So, uh, for our other listeners that may not have watched this movie in quite a while, Mark, can you tell us the plot of Candyman? Well, it took me a minute because at first, like I was watching the movie, and I have transplanted an X Files episode into my <laughs> memories place of this because Tony Todd has a, a cameo in an episode of. The- a very early episode of the X-Files where he's like an ex-Vietnam vet who's had his need for sleep removed. Oh, and he's yeah. killing like other people, his ex-squad mates and stuff like that. And they, they do the like same like... steal their dreams or some shit like that? Some or, shit like yeah. that. Yeah, it's like super like season 2E X-Files, like mm-hmm. woo-woo kind of X-Files. So I had bunches of that shit that were stuck in my head as part of this movie. And so, yeah, I had the performances all mixed up and stuff. And then like, we'll talk about it in like two seconds, but like, okay, here's the start of the movie. First of all, early 90s universal logo and tristar logo my 90s heart is all a flutter <laughs> super happy and did you notice polygram movies when did polygram make fucking movies aren't they a record company that was a little weird is it either way or was that polygraph no it's polygram I, I, I went back and looks like polygram made a movie okay cool interesting we open on a lovely helicopter shot of chicago we get some t- tony todd early he's 
does a little opening narration, something about blood being for shedding and spookiness and whatever. And there's a poorly matted shot of bees that look like they would be about a foot and a half if the scale was right but like it's, just, it's terribly matted so it doesn't really matter we cut to a close-up of jillian anderson wait nope i mean virginia madsen <laughs> jillian Who, anderson like, never had the curly hair no but like if the nose like eyes combination the is like, profile for sure fucking yeah. identical with like the hair is the only difference yeah. and like her makeup job and clothing are so like early 90s scully that it oh barely yeah, makes definitely you know I mean like there's a couple shots where i have to stop and be like oh it's not Jillian Anderson, Mark. <laughs> she's very attractive also, but she's not Jillian Anderson. Either. So either yeah. way. I was trying to remember what the fuck else I remembered Virginia Madsen from. Because she was one of those women that was just like all over the place and in all yeah. sorts of stuff. But she's one of those women that like was in a ton of stuff and you recognize her because she's gorgeous and a ton of stuff, but like she's never in anything that we would watch. I was looking she's at she's in the movies. David Lynch Dune. Yeah, it's the only thing I was like, oh, okay, that's where I kind of remember her from is like the David Lynch Dune. And this were probably the only two movies that were like really big that I would have seen more than once. The, the second Highland, Highlander movie. <laughs> yeah, I only saw that one once. That movie's fucking terrible. Like, <laughs> holy God. When we get to episode 6,000 and we're doing the fucking Highlander movies, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I feel like I've seen her more in, in like TV stuff. Like she pops up here and there. Well, she was in Swamp Thing. Oh, yeah, she was. She year. was in that Swamp Thing show that we or whatever watched, we like, watched last that. year. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, she was in that. So, yeah, I mean, she's smoking hot, so fair enough. Whatever. So she gets told the story of Ted Raimi in Greaser Gear hooking up with <laughs> yeah, Not Bridget Fonda. <laughs> so when Not Bridget Fonda makes him say Candyman into the mirror, he says it four times and then tries to go to town. But she turns him down and tells him to go downstairs. She has a surprise for him. She says it for the fifth time, and we get a shot of her screaming while blood falls from the ceiling onto Ted. Poor Ted, you know, you'd think he'd know better than to, like, any of this woo-woo shit. Just stay away from it. His brother, Sam Raimi, like, you'd think you'd know better. He should know better, you know what I mean? <laughs> so either way, uh, apparently this turned the guy's hair white, and it freaked him out. So we cut back to Virginia Madsen taking the story in. She leaves this person who's telling her this, this is a, a Candyman story. They're doing research on Candyman, like, for urban legends. They are grad students at the university of chicago or whatever the fuck university of illinois i think it is whatever it doesn't matter <laughs> one way or the other so she goes over to her token black friend <laughs> uh, who is named bernadette but we call her bernie for most of the movie uh, i'm gonna call virginia madsen virginia madsen but her character's name is ellen because it does come up later where she's like having her name scream i think that's kind of what triggers something that happens at the end but eh. anyway so we cut to Heather or no Helen or whatever walking to her husband's class. speech or like he's doing a class like he's lecture, a professor on yeah. campus. Yeah, lecture. That's what I'm thinking about. <laughs> so because she's doing her master's or whatever, she listens to him shit on her research, I guess, to a class of people while he blatantly hits on a 19 year old <laughs> after class who in looks front exactly of that girl like Amanda Seyfried. Yeah. What? In front of that girl that like is as soon as I saw her, I was like, oh yeah, he's definitely fucking her. Like that, oh, they yeah. just that's so coded into that exchange. I was like, I'm like, I've seen this, I've seen that exchange like live and in person on <laughs> campus. You know what I mean? This movie triggered a lot of like working on campus at Brock memories kind of thing, like dealing with shite faculty and like, you know what I mean? With that kind of stuff. Yeah. I hate these academic movies, man. Which <laughs> reminds me of being on campus. Ghostbusters starts out that way. Yeah, but they're like taking the piss out of everybody on campus and they get kicked off real fast. So I kind of relate to them in that way. So there's that. So either way, she looks a lot like his. So yeah, Helen notices that so-and-so is kind of eyeballing, not Amanda Seyfried. 
they do the like you don't really think i'd do that with a 19 year old do thing scumbag i'm pretty sure this dude the guy who's playing her husband in this is also the scumbag stepdad in terminator 2 this guy plays token balding scumbag in like every fucking yeah, movie everywhere. like i'm pretty sure you've seen earl schwarzenegger punch this guy in the fucking mush 68 million times because <laughs> he's that dude so i i'd have to look him up we'll look him up when we get to the end of the movie so i can actually call out how big a douchebag this guy is in every movie that he's in uh, but xander berkeley what else has he been in can you just give me like a quick like yeah give me those, he's give all me over the... the place uh yeah terminator 2 <sighs> i knew he was in terminator Sid and Nancy. He oh fuck! See, that's, that's he, but he's in lots of shit. He's a scumbag guy in lots of shit. Yeah, a few good men. He was in yeah. Apollo thirteen, Heat. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. He's just yeah. oh, The Rock. He was in. Yeah, he's Gattaca. a piece of shit. He's basically a piece of shit. <laughs> Professional movies. piece of shit, Xander Xander Berkeley. Yeah. That's what he does in movies. He shows up and plays like a balding piece of and shit. He's been in all but, sorts of TV shows. Playing. Like, oh, he's been in everything. Similar sort of role too. Yeah. yeah. He never plays anything different. He's always this piece of shit. It is fantastic. I mean, if you can get this fucking job playing the scumbag piece of shit who makes that with a 20 year old. Yeah. And that's like your job. I mean, I kind of take it. Fair enough. Both both him him and Virginia Madsen uh, have done a number of roles in DC and Marvel animated stuff, too. Oh, uh, that's right. I knew she did. I didn't know he did. That's cool. I didn't know his name. I just knew he was bald scumbag. Well, that's that's where I recognize him from. He was in, uh, he played a, a sort of supporting role in Walking Dead for. A couple of seasons. Okay, yeah, that's where, I've, that's where I've seen this dude most recently. I'm sure he's probably been in other TV that I would recognize. Like I'm sure he was in X Files at some point too. And I just whatever. No, I'm yeah. just, I have X Files stuck in my head because of this fucking movie. So because it basically, yeah, at the end of it, like th- that's my big thing. Is like yep. this just feels like an episode of the X Files. <laughs> <laughs> so. The X Files. He played Doctor Hodge in the episode Ice. Oh shit! Yeah, when the one where they go up north or whatever, they, they go to the Antarctic and the worms. Do you remember that one? Yeah, I think he's the yeah, dude yeah. who's listening to his fucking headphones the entire time. He's a scumbag in that, too. So there <laughs> you go. So he's, he tells her he's not banging Amanda Seyfried or whatever, and but obviously he, he is. totally is. <laughs> but she's upset with him because of academic reasons, I guess, not because she he's blatantly fucking this other girl in front of her. I don't, whatever. Anyway, we cut to the, like the next day, and like there's a black cleaning lady that tells Helen a story about Candyman coming through the wall at her apartment in the projects in yeah Cabrini Green is the Cabrini project, Green, which is a real place. Yeah, well, this is all set in Chicago and real places and stuff. So yeah. yeah, she tells the story about Candyman coming through the wall and like the the lady that she knew had died had was torn up by a hook. Both ladies swear it's true. So we go to the microfiche. I love early <laughs> '90s movies because it's not computer research. We go to the microfiche. Yeah. Probably, right took, out of the probably took three days or some shit to look it up. Yep. Whereas like that, you just type in six keywords into Google and fucking pop 3000 results at you. <laughs> whoop de doo But either way, yep. Got to go to the microfiche. I love these, like the montage of microfiche, the silence of the lamb slash X-Files montage of pretty yeah. girl in the light of microfiche <laughs> sliding through terrible newspaper stories. Uh, you know, this is like, 90% of the fiction I consumed in the 90s was them sitting in front of microfiche reading weird <laughs> fucking documents. Oh, anyway. So she finds the story and like confirms that like that apartment is actually the one that it was, and then also finds out that her apartment was built as projects and is quickly rebranded condos. So she invites token friend over to tell her her fantastic discoveries, and they push her mirror out of the way and discover that yep, 
the there's a hole in the mirror behind the mirror at her yeah, apartment. The, what that like the two buildings were like built from the same identical plans, right? Yeah, so like they're mirror images of each other, and and they thing. didn't. And what they did was convert these ones to condos because there was a golf course nearby that like the golf course owners or the people who like attended the golf course. It was some want. nimby bullshit, right? Like not yeah, in my backyard. Was, <laughs> basically exactly they didn't want projects near their golf course yeah. or what have you i love that shit where she pushes the fucking medicine cabinet through the other side and it like it definitely shatters on the ground but you don't hear it they just like it just makes like a metal sound well did it like not that. hit it doesn't hit the fucking sink that would be fucking smashing <laughs> off of either you know what i mean yeah. like so i don't know whatever just causing property damage in fucking ba- vacant units <laughs> Yeah, basically. So I don't know. So she, yeah, so she's kind of. This is one of those movies where, like, if she just wasn't so obsessed with this thing, like, if she could just take a step back and realize she was being a psychopath, she could maybe not die. But <laughs> eventually, she's just so like obsessed with this thing that she's like, "I'm gonna go whole hog and like run into the middle of a bunch of gangbangers yeah. and you know get the shit kicked out of me." My, my fucking white savior complex won't let me leave this fucking shit alone. Yeah, I'm just like, lady, it's okay to just be white and not engage. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> do other things. Don't get killed by the fucking yeah. demon who wears a black man's face or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the story of this thing's supposed to be by the end of this movie. It's very confusing. Either way, so. We get uh, a shitty jump scare while a scumbag from Terminator 2 jumps into bed with her. Yeah, there's a lot of shitty, shitty fucking jump scares in this. And movie. the worst part is they're so like tropey that like none of them worked on me. Like yeah. they're, they're like they're exactly to the note, like on the timing that you would expect all of them to happen. Even the fake out ones. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's the fake out one. And you can tell just from like the score, the score almost gives the movie away. The score is really good, yeah. but like it gives so, the so movie away in spots. Score. Yeah, yeah. Either way, the next day, she and Bernie, you know, token friend, go to the actual projects and she pokes around. She's got Mason shit in her purse. She is ready for action. She gives her friend the you're a chicken speech and her friend Marty McFly's and just goes along with it and goes into the projects (laughs) with her. Terrible idea. They're both dumb. They're immediately accosted by gangbangers who think they're cops. So they get into the place and find the apartment that they're looking for that this lady died in that like the other ladies told them about. And they go through the bathroom mirror, like they pull the mirror down and realize there's a hole there. So she goes in and finds all kinds of wacky shit, like paintings and candy with razors candy in it. With shit. fucking razors in it, Jesus. What the fuck's going on? I don't understand why that's there either way. So she comes back out, scares her friend. And then we we meet Alice. Is it Alice? I think her name was. Uh, Anne-Marie. Anne-Marie, sorry. Anne-Marie, who is the black lady who lives like across the street from this apartment that they've broken into who uh, is there with her beautiful dog and her son uh, that obviously uses the dog to scare off her scumbag of your neighbors, but like the yeah. dog's fantastic. Yeah. Nice, nice, pretty Rottweiler. Yeah. It's a big Rottweiler, big handsome boy. Helen gets Anne Marie's backstory about like the murder that she heard through the walls and all that kind of stuff. And then we cut hard cut to a dinner with not Stephen Fry, who is apparently an <laughs> academic futwit. I don't know who this guy is. This is where I started having this is your academic douchebag guy. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Like some academic fuck off who like, whatever. I just, I was having Brock faculty flashbacks during the scene. It was just like, this is the worst part of living on campus or working on <laughs> campus. Just having to deal with these fucking assholes. Cause they still exist there everywhere. Oh yeah. So they get into some academic argument with this dude and he's like, ho, ho, ho. I know all this stuff ahead of you. And I'm going to tell you the backstory. So we get the backstory from pompous, not Stephen Fry guy. And it's the the story of Candyman is that he's the son of a slave who grew up in society as an artist, but he falls for a white lady that he was commissioned to paint. 
and he gets his painting hand cut off by a mob that is hired by the girl's father and he is then like smeared in honey and attacked by bees and then lynched and burned or something like that yeah that's pretty much it they 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 take like the honeycomb and like yeah yeah. smear it all over him so the bees attack him the bees attack him and then they set him on fire as you do (sighs) america the (laughs) british So Virginia Madsen gets more film and goes back because she's a fucking wackadoo at this point. <laughs> she's off the deep she's end. She meets, yeah. yeah, she's obsessed. So she meets a kid, and the kid leads her to another Candyman place where he tells her the story of Candyman ripping some little boy's dick off, or something for some <laughs> <Yep>. reason. <laughs> I'm not even really sure what the point of that story is, aside from just like horrible. So she goes into this bathroom where they found the kid, and Candyman, quote unquote, not real Candyman, shows up, and, and she gets. I don't. They don't imply rape, but I'm assuming if she got beaten like by a gang of dudes, she's probably got assaulted sexually also. So I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, they they leave that kind of open. There is a lot of like tell don't show in this movie, which works for this movie. Yeah, like you, yeah, you don't need to movie. see a lot of this kind of thing. But she's got the the token woman who was just raped black eye kind of like yeah tropey kind of makeup kind of thing going yeah. on. But so the, the, so the the not Candyman is like a, a gang member kind like of thing. Member, yeah. He's like using the Candyman myth to like scare the local Everybody. residents and shit. And yeah. yeah, yeah. And he he does like walk around like he doesn't have like a hook for a hand, but he like walks around with a meat hook and shit with a meat hook. And he's got the people, and he's, he's got, got the, the jacket. jacket. Yeah. So. So we immediately cut to the next scene where she is being forced to identify this person like face to face also, which is just weird policing, but okay, cool. Nineties. Presumably it's a lineup through like one of those one. It, it looks like they were like right in the same room. It's cut really weird too. Yeah. Right? Like, they they don't show post-ups. So like, it's kind of weird, yeah. but you know, it's almost implied like they're in the room together, but either way, that's, you know, fine. <laughs> anyway, we meet the detective. And I must have run a set of dabs at some point in this part of the movie because things are getting a little foggy here because the kids like pissed at her or at them, I guess, because the gang guys will think that he squealed on them. And she tells him that, like, you won't have to testify because I'm here. And he like, if I'm that kid, I'm like, who gives a shit? I still saw it. They know I saw it. I'm going to get fucking clipped, too. Like, yeah. you think you test me not testifying against them is going to stop them from killing me? And we get wrecked. I don't kid. care if it's a real candy man or a fake candy man. He's still going to kill me. Yeah, he's still going to fucking kill me, so I don't give a shit one way or the other. So this kid, whatever. So Trevor comes home, and like, we, there's all kinds of weird cuts in this movie. Like, stuff is missing. Because it's like there's a time skip here where like Trevor comes home, and she's like, it's a week or two later, and she's baking dinner and happy. And she goes back to work, and Bernie has found the film that was in the camera that she had with her when she was attacked. And they had it developed. So she's going crazy. She's super excited to go look through these pictures that were whatever. Yeah, like they had a, a care, like a, a photography expert, like restore these things because the camera was smashed or whatever. Yeah. So she's going, they're leaving through, and she like, they're just blatantly walk through a parking garage on their own, which, like, I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to do, like, even as a fucking white male. But, like, <laughs> that's fine. It's completely fine. Um, this time, the real Candyman shows up, and you can tell because it's fucking Tony Todd's voice. And he yeah, says a bunch of shit. <laughs> Yeah, and he's like six and a half feet tall. It's huge. He looks it too, right? Yeah. So he says a bunch of shit to her about like how they're meant to be and this, that, and the other thing because he thinks she looks like her, his, the woman that he was killed for or whatever. Yeah. At least something like that, I think, is what's supposed to be happening here. Either way, she wakes up covered in blood in a bathroom at the waitress lady's apartment 
walks out of the bathroom, sees the decapitated dog, which I mean, at this point, fuck this movie because like I don't do dead dogs and the yeah, score mark checks out. I so <laughs> kill all the humans you want, Candyman, but this is where you get me with a proton pack and a priest coming after you. You know what I mean? <laughs> don't leave the fucking dogs alone. Either way, Helen is an idiot and picks up the fucking knife that clearly just cut this dog's head off and walks into where Alice is screaming over her baby's empty and blood-soaked crib and they get into a fight and Helen is still holding the goddamn knife when the cops walk in and arrest her. And I get a little confused here because I'm pretty sure I wrote that, like, because she calls the husband and I was like, wait, does this happen right away where he just like he's already bailed on her and is going to uh oh, he's been fucking her <laughs> oh, he's been fucking her the whole time but yeah. like it's the next time she ends up committed and breaks out when he go- she goes home and finds them together yeah. this yeah, time yeah. i i thought it was this time but i wrote it wrong in the notes either yeah. way <laughs> so he shows up the next oh wait we got to talk about the one scene first though right because we have there's this super long and uncomfortable scene where she's forced to strip soaked in blood mm-hmm. and like yeah, so that just goes on forever and is very uncomfortable. This is not exactly how I wanted my mandatory '90s horror tit shot to happen. So thanks, we get Tim. we get the real good tits later though on yeah uh, on, on, on not not Amanda Seafried. Well, I mean, we also get them on Candyman, where what, he like he shows her his chest bare rib cage and his bare rib cage is there. Yeah, it's like, not not the kind of tits I want in a movie, but teach their own, I guess. Hey, you know, you're the horror guy. I don't know what the fuck turns you. <laughs> Either way. Yeah, so now she's been committed. So she does the we do. You know what confused me because she does the phone call where he doesn't pick up. Yeah, and then like she sits in the the cell for a little while, and then he shows up and get, bails her out. Right. So they go home, and he's pestering her about like what's going on, and like she's going crazy, and she goes through the slides and notices Candyman or something in one of the pictures, like in the reflection behind the reflection in the reflection kind of thing, like but just no enhance. There's no enhance. It's just her zooming in zoom, on the slides. Yeah, no zoom enhance on the yeah on the fucking like yeah those little tiny white white slides. Yeah, on the old Kodak slides. Yeah, I don't know what's happening at this point. Candyman shows up again, and there he start talking, and he shows her some shit, and blah 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 blah. And finally, she comes to, and Bernie has showed up at their apartment, and Candyman's fucking killed her. And this time, Trevor's too traumatized to do anything, so she's been committed now, and she sees. Candyman like taunting her while she's been strapped being strapped down into the in the insane asylum and blah blah blah. All this this sequence goes by real fast, but it's like a whole bunch of shit happening. We see that Candyman has also apparently kidnapped this baby. So like, my question is, how long does all this shit happen? And is he taking care of this baby the entire time? Is he changing the <laughs> diapers of that child? What okay, are you reading this as like Candyman's a real thing that exists, or are you reading this as Helen just fucking goes nuts and becomes Candyman? I mean, I'm assuming because Candyman shows up in sequels that he is an actual entity that exists. This is my problem with these movies that I start thinking about them. In, terms in this of, like, one, at least, taken on its own, I, I feel like it's left him purposefully ambiguous, and I like that. I agree. It you could totally sell this, me this movie that it's her going insane. Yeah, but then it just becomes another white lady goes crazy movie, which like we've got a lot of those also. So that's we've, probably well, too. We 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 have a lot of those now. We didn't have as many of those in 1992. <laughs> I feel like most of these movies started with a white woman going crazy somehow <laughs> and nobody believing her. Isn't like most horror movies, a white woman th- says yeah, that there's a killer around and nobody believes can. her? Yeah. Yeah. It's been going on for like the entirety of horror. Just listen to your white ladies. You know what I mean? Maybe there's a killer around. Go check. Except this time, because maybe the white lady actually is crazy and is well, killing she's people. Prob- she's probably crazy. And is disemboweling her friends and fucking family. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, Chopping I'm going to. dog's heads. 
I'm going to go. That's the one that gets me. I don't know about that one. Either way. Yeah, so we've watched her strip uncomfortably. She's gone home, killed her friend, blah, 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 blah. She's, yeah, she's sedated. She's in the fucking psych hospital. Oh, right. So she's in the psych hospital. And so now she's getting brought up to meet the head shrink who they talk about Candyman. And this dude is the dude that you get to play a shrink when you can't get the dude from Terminator to play the shrink. (laughs) Because this guy's in a bunch of shit, too. Like, he plays this kind of role. And, like, he's in, like, he was in Howard the Duck. I shit you not. He was the lab tech at the end of Howard the Duck that tells everybody like what happened remember when the thing explodes and howard the duck he's one of those character actor dudes who just shows up and everything it's that guy mm. but he's the guy you get when you can't get the guy who was in terminator playing the psychiatrist to play the psychiatrist you get this guy instead of him Fair that enough. guy's probably dead now but like this was 1992 he was obviously still alive and in terminator 2 <laughs> so there you go anyway this guy shows up so she's like I'm going to fucking prove it to you. Candyman, 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 Candyman. There's a mirror right there. Candyman, Candyman, Candyman. There's lots of Candyman. Come on, motherfucker. Anyway, he's not real. It's fake. It's horseshit. It's not real and fake for the poor doctor guy who gets fucking gutted from asshole to mouth hole, basically. Yep. Yeah, that was fucking cool. No I guess. Around too. Yeah, like he kind of like doesn't like the zipper. Yeah, he goes like <laughs> takes the fucking scenic route. You know what I mean? <laughs> <coughs> anyway, so he does that, and then he undoes her buckles on her hands, and she jumps out of a window, and then she blatantly murders a woman. At this yeah. point, she kills a woman. She fucking head traumas a woman to death on the floor. Steals her clothes and escapes. She goes back to her apartment where T two deadbeat dad has shacked up with not Amanda Seyfried whose boobies are out at this point. And it's always in the traumatic scenes where the boobies are out. And I'm just like, this, I, I don't enjoy it when they're crying. No, it's I mean, in the last That's scene somebody else's fetish. It's in the, the end scene where her titties are out. No, 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 because she's got that loose shirt on. You see them here also. Oh, yeah, and yeah. then at the end, she's in that fucking tank top. Where Flimsy it's like, oh, yeah. like little white number. Yeah, yeah, she's in the tank top at the end where she's like braless and bouncing around. Trust me, I'm a single dude in my like 30s. I fucking look, you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> and I took notes while I was watching this movie. So like, I can tell you what her outfits were on <laughs> both scenes. Titty notes. That's yeah, a whole notes. section. It's a horror movie. <laughs> it's a horror movie. You got to have titty notes. You know what I mean? I don't know True. what the fuck's happening anymore. So anyway... Amanda Seyfried does nothing but cry while Helen tells T2 deadbeat dad that he's a piece of shit and she fucks off and they call, I guess I'm assuming they're calling the police to say that she's escaped. I'm assuming at this point the police know that she has caved in the skull of another woman and also fucking gutted the head therapist basically in half with a hook or whatever. Or Candyman did it or (laughs) Anyway, so Helen goes back to the projects uh, and crawls around inside that apartment again. She finds Candyman. He shows her the baby. There's more psychobabbly stuff about him being or her being his beloved or whatever. And then they be kiss. It's a little weird. And then like yeah, she wakes like, up. That's one of those like really powerful images that has always stuck with me from this movie. That whole sequence really just gross. And she looks really uncomfortable. You see like Virginia Madsen like super tense when the bees are on her. She's like, I don't want these bees on me. I don't like these bees she on me. She apparently is allergic. And so they had to use like just hatched bees that didn't have their stingers yet when they were sense. doing the scenes with her. Whereas Tony Todd apparently had it written into his contract that he would get paid an extra thousand bucks for every time he got stung by a bee. And he ended up Fucking getting right. stung about like 23 times or some shit. Fucking A right. That's what you put in that contract. <laughs> but you're, doing what, you're making me do what with what now? Every time I get stung, I want a grant. Yeah. 
And then when I come back for the sequel, every time I get stung, I want 10 grand. So figure this shit out, motherfuckers. You know the, what I mean? The, and the B guy that did this movie also did My Girl. Remember the, the B's? See that, B, see, that B, that B's a hero because he <laughs> killed Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> okay. So he's trying to convince her to join him in becoming some kind of fear demon entity, I guess, is what the, the sales pitch is supposed to be. So that she can live forever with him torturing and killing other people, I guess, as a demon thing. Is that what like that. the sales pitch is? It's kind of vague. Honestly, I take it. Because, like, her husband's a piece of shit. And, like, what, what now she's been framed for multiple murders. So, like, I'd just be like, I guess, cool. I get to continue to exist in this fashion. Because otherwise I'm going to the chair, depending on what state we're in here. So, like, does Illinois still have the chair? I don't even know. They still have a death penalty in Illinois? <laughs> Cause she'd probably be getting it. Cause she's killed like a baby and shit at this point. So like, we don't know what's happening. No, anyway, well, the baby, she, she kidnapped. Well, I mean, according to, according to the cops, that baby's fucking. They think, dead yeah, they think she's yeah. killed the baby. So she's like guilty of child, like baby death, infanticide. That's a word. Yeah, that's a word. That's there word. it is. So she looks out the window when she wakes up. I'm a little confused. I guess she hears a baby crying. And she's looking out at the giant pyre that the town, like the Cabrini Green citizens are building for their annual keep the demons away Sam Hain party I guess I'm not really sure what's yeah, happening right now they've got a giant like they've got a giant bonfire they're about to thing and the baby's in there Candyman obviously put her in there or Helen put it, the baby in there and under delusional and now is going to rescue it that she's lucid again we don't yep. know I'm not sure anyway so she crawls into the pyre and then Candyman's in there and he stops her and then they realize, like, the, the townspeople realize that, like, the monster's inside the pyre, and they start pitching the torches at it and start the fire, and he's holding on to her, so at this point, it's just her basically debating herself, possibly. Yeah, under herself, kind of thing. As to whether or not she's allowed to leave, and I, I'm just like, how did she go crazy so fast? That's my real problem. Like, she just snapped at some point because he's fucking somebody else? Come on. Come on. What is this movie trying to tell us? Anyway... So she crawls out with the baby, though, and saves it, but she dies right after. She got the, the, the bald cat where, like, her hair is burned, burned off and stuff like that, but Virginia yeah. Madsen is still her fa- not her burned face on the face. Fine. It's, yeah. She's still gorgeous, the Virginia Madsen face, but her hair has been burned off. So. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, fade to black. We come back on her funeral where Scumbag and Not Amanda Seyfried are at her funeral when all the people from the projects show up and toss Candyman's hook on her casket, possibly sealing her fate. Anyway, we cut to Trevor in the bathroom mourning his fate, his wife while his side piece is making dinner and gets annoyed with him. Or I guess it's not his side piece anymore, but like, yeah, main anyway, piece <laughs> main piece now, I, su- I suppose. So fuckwit says Helen's name five times in front of the mirror because they buried her with the hook. Now, I guess she's doomed to be like this vengeful spirit. I don't know. Either that or she agreed to be the vengeful spirit with him and stay for eternity. Either way, she shows up and fucking guts him from balls to fucking, you know, cake hole and... <laughs> She frames the other girl for his murder, so she's fucked too, because either way, she fucking kills him, and we cut to black. Or maybe more narration, I can't remember anymore, and the movie's over. That's pretty much it. Yep. Is that pretty much it? Yep, I think so. Cool, so what What are your top-level thoughts about Candyman, having watched it in, in the year of our Lord 2021 versus like the late 90s? <laughs> It has dated poorly a little bit. It is pretty good yeah. still. Like it holds up fairly well, but it is fairly dated. It does like it, 
honestly, it just feels like an X-Files episode to me now. Like, And that's kind of endemic of all 90s horror when I go back to it. They have the tropes have swirled around so much at that point that like it's kind of hard to tell where the fucking snake begins and the you know what I mean like the snake yeah. head begins and the tail ends kind of thing or whatever it's all eating its own ass at this point so like who can tell it's all just 90s horror looks like the X-Files <laughs> that's yeah. kind of my main takeaway <laughs> Not, doesn't help that Virginia Madsen and Killing Ander- or Jillian Anderson are both pretty similarly facial feature yeah like, they're, sure. they look very familiar like similar so like that kind of threw me off a little bit too. Well, and they're both, the Tony- they both have sort of similar characterizations too, right? Like they're both yeah. uh, really like studious, uh, yeah. you know, you know, modern woman kind of thing. I, I'd be curious to see like if somebody from the X Files has ever talked about this movie in relation because they talk about Clarice Starling a lot, like the mm-hmm. Silence of the Lambs and stuff in regards to Scully a lot. But I've never heard this one brought up. But it, like a lot of her character beats are very similar to like the stuff that Scully would be characterized as in the show and like the show this is a year i think before the show premiered right like 93 i think x-files started yeah and then this is like late 92 92. or whatever this came out so i don't know like i enjoyed rewatching it i don't know if i'd be into watching the other sequels because they looked not of as high quality this has got this weird kubrickian kind of like angle to it it's not as well executed as like the shining by any stretch of the imagination but it's got a lot of that kind of really heady kind of horror ideas that Kubrick likes. To yeah, throw higher that, concept kind of, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, like we're not, it's what I like about this, I think, more than anything is that, is that exactly, is that it's a much higher concept than Michael Myers or Jason Freddy, or even Freddy, you know what I mean? Like, Candyman is like, you you sympathize with the story, first of all, because it's a good, like, I mean, that story is very prevalent in American society, obviously, so you kind of, you sympathize with that character so he's not just like a fucking he's not a baby rapist like freddy krueger you know what yeah. i mean like so or whatever they just say baby murderer i guess <laughs> Those fucking kids, there's like, heavy implications that he's a kitty yeah. diddler as well well no in the in the they never say it in the original series i want it but they imply it heavily in the remake with yeah, the J- Jack Jack Earl Earl Haley. One. yeah yeah but either way so like none of that's in this obviously but like there's but like there's weird random kills in this it's pretty gory I don't know. Like, it's fun. It's a good ride, I guess. It's way smarter than I would have given it credit for going back into it, though. You know what I mean? Like, it's well, yeah. it's artsier, also, mm. than I was anticipating it being. I don't know if that's to its benefit or detriment, though. I think that's what makes it hold up over this kind of span of time, is its artsiness, but also its artsiness makes it fairly impenetrable. Like, I don't really understand what the fuck this movie's point is. It's a very muddled kind of thesis about white women getting in, like white people interfering with what's going on with black people. But at the same time, like there's some mixed messaging for sure. There's yeah. some weird. Yeah. This is a lot of weird mixed messaging in here. Yeah. And I mean, I guess it's one of those situations or it could be one of those situations. Where, it's also, you know, yeah, the director presents you. Yeah, exactly. Where director presents you with a bunch of options and then you take away what you want to from it sort of thing, which is, which is a valid way of, of making art and film and stuff. Yeah, like I, I come down on it pretty similar to you. I, I really enjoyed it. I'm sure that I got a lot more out of it rewatching it now uh, in 2021 than I did yeah. watching it in like the early 2000s. Because especially after having like lived in Atlanta for 10 years, now that I've actually been to Chicago and know that city better, yeah. have a better idea of, of that environment. And 
definitely now that I know a lot more about sort of the history and culture of African Americans and slavery and that sort of thing, which I you know knew bits and pieces of and like we don't get a huge amount of that in school in Canada. We get, you know, some hints of it here and there. I also didn't take a whole lot of history either. I took history for fun. Yeah. I, I'm a weird dude though. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I definitely, and I mean, especially with everything that went on like last year and over the past like few years with Black Lives Matter and all that sort of stuff, like all this hits a lot differently today for me than it did back then. Yeah. I'm actually really curious to see the the new one now to see like how they've kind of adapted this story to like modern times. Like you could, mm-hmm. If you don't model your messaging as much as this movie does, you could probably tell a pretty effective like story using like, well, and the, stuff I think, from the headlines, like like modern stuff from the headlines kind of thing, and applying it to that Candyman kind of milieu or whatever. So yeah, and I agree, it does have like it has its issues. There's some of it that's kind of like not explained really well, or parts of it that haven't aged well, that kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, I guess we can get into that part of it, like the 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 mixed messaging and the messaging itself, like. I wonder, part of me wonders if it's kind of muddled because it's a white director directing a, you know, that well, also did the screenplay and it's based on a short story by a fucking like white writer kind of thing, trying to, you know, doing their best and probably yeah. well intentioned to capture, you know, the, this well, essence of black society and, and, and culture and that sort of thing. But it's also twofold, right? Like it's also, a white male director and white male writer writing a female lead. Yeah. Kind of poorly in some <laughs> ways, you know what I mean? Like she, she goes right down the horror, like crazy, yeah, goes histrionic into kind of like hysterics yeah. kind of tropes and like go, gets committed. And like her husband, you know, just doesn't believe her. Like all the horror tropes that get applied to white women or to women period in horror yeah. are negatively applied to her. And then you also got this African-American story being told by a bunch of white dudes so it's really muddled in terms of like intent and actual like maybe this is not the way a real human woman would react to the situation. This is the way these white male writers want their fantasy character to act, basically. So yeah. that's also problematic in terms of like just me watching this movie and trying to figure out why she's acting like a lunatic. And it's because the writer needs her to act like a lunatic to do all this stuff. So, yeah, well, I guess if you look, yeah, I can def- definitely see that. I'm doing way too much like film analysis of this no, fucking dumb this, horror movie. This, you this know, movie's so. fucking right, like is prime ground for fucking film analysis for sure. It it continuously throws in Kubrickian like shining kind of imagery, like mm-hmm. weird cuts, obtuse angles, all this stuff that kind of harkens back to those more like psychological '70s horror movies, mm-hmm. which are all constantly analyzed and ripped apart yeah. by every film critic or film analyst, film student, whatever you want to call yourself from now till the end of time. But you're also throwing like slasher tropes on top of it, which make it even more muddled. And then you've got, yeah, then you've got these narrative conflicts where you've got like white people trying to tell a black story and male writers trying to tell a female story and none of it fucking tracks properly <laughs> because of that and blah, blah, blah. But it's still like, it's this movie that holds up. Yeah. In spite of its weird issues. Exactly. And and that's kind of where I come down to is that it is has its issues for sure. But this is one of the earliest horror movies that I know of to like make a real genuine attempt at sort of a realistic representation and depiction of sort of black culture and the black experience. That's not like sticky or schlocky, like some, you know, like Blackula or some shit like that. Yeah. Right. And I keep I keep bringing up the X-Files, but I feel like 
in horror, the X Files did this better on TV a couple years later. Like the same kind of like, yeah, they definitely, yeah, stuff. they they didn't shy away from that either. Yeah, no, and I think that's why I'm kind of having this weird negative tone because I'm like, I think they dealt with this better on that X Files episode. You know, <laughs> yeah, but again, movie, that that so. maybe came after this and potentially did, was influenced yeah. this, and yep. so like for it being one of, if not the earliest sort of major mainstream attempt at doing that, I think it does you know it's it's an admirable attempt and it does get some things right like uh the sort of uh, idea, Todd, first of all like yeah. you want to talk about like <laughs> but, casting, but in, but in like, terms yeah. of like the, the racial stuff like the the idea that like you know there's a lot of like unexplained deaths that don't necessarily get the same yeah. amount of press as it would if it happened in like a white community like that's something that is just endemic in african-american communities it high it definitely highlights that problematic nature of white scholars that are you know, attempting to, to gain notoriety on the back of like black culture and black trauma and that sort of thing, which is still a problem to this day as well. And so that sort of stuff I appreciate for, but yeah, it demonizes a black man to some extent for sure. And show like shows a almost like cartoonish version of those like housing projects and that kind of yeah thing that's too. that's the other thing too right like some of it does like lean right into Kate the like, and, like 90s and grime and like stuff like that like, and yeah. like it, it very much leans into those like like boys in the hood kind of tropes you know what i mean like in terms of like how they depict the gang members and like people mm-hmm. living around this like in the projects and stuff like that and yeah everything's like nasty and dilapidated so i'm like yeah you're just leaning into the tropes that you're criticizing i guess so but like, then they also do yeah. the things like like with uh Anne marie like they yeah. also try to humanize some of those residents of projects and show like okay yeah there's this grimy exterior but like this woman's apartment looks great and well kept and she's obviously trying to do you know the right you know do right by her kid and kind of th- that kind of thing and and is you know living to support her kid and everything and and her whole her one line that i really liked was uh white folks never come here except to cause a problem kind of true yeah <laughs> either way whether they come to help or not yeah come to cause problems, so. so yeah it is kind of all over the place with that but i think where you know when it does get it right it gets it right kind of thing you know it, it does uh it hits hits decently i would say more than it gets it right more often than it gets it wrong i think i think it gets it right at the top level and then some of the minutiae is wrong you know what i mean yeah like, some of the subtlety and maybe intersectionality yeah exactly like its intentions are right it's just that the way it's handled are maybe like the details of it are not exactly the how you would do it in 2021 knowing we're like being where For we sure. are now kind of thing right yeah no, um, and we're going to say this and listen to ourselves in 10 years. It's like, you fucking idiots. Cause like, where were <laughs> we? Like the robots have taken over. None of this matters anymore. I don't know. <laughs> Horror isn't quite as perishable as uh comedy. comedy. It's, no, it's not. It's not a super unperishable uh, no, genre no. either. No, it's definitely a genre that, you know, especially in the more schlocky horror kind of thing, it does end up leaning hard into a lot of, a lot of stereotypes and that kind of thing. Cultural stereotypes, racial stereotypes that, don't age well at all well i mean nothing i mean nothing ages well because like what we're afraid of as urban north americans is vastly different than what like our ancestors would have been 200 years ago you know what i mean like all that stuff changes even 30 years ago would have been completely different so like who your boogeyman is depends on what age you live in basically so yeah that's why we have the babadook and something that shows up what's that thing uh, it follows. Was that the one where they fuck and it turns into a disease and falls around like a horror movie or whatever? Oh, that, that yeah. One? yeah. 
that kind of <laughs> stuff. That's a modern shit, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or like that's why I'm curious to see how like what they do with Candyman in 2021, right? Like that's why it's interesting when they go back to these characters. Mm-hmm. Especially this one. I I'm very curious now to see like how they've renegotiated all this stuff for 2021, especially in a movie that's being created by like a female, like she's black too, right? Yeah, Nia Costa. Yeah, black yeah. female director this time. It's yeah. like a black female director this time. Like that's obviously that's the voice this movie originally probably needed, yeah. but and was no, not no white leads this time either. Like I yeah. think it's uh, the the cast is is mostly black as well. So yeah, from yeah from the trailers it seemed that way. So, yeah, yeah. So I gotta go see it. Like I said, I'm gonna I'll probably go check it out this week. So. Yeah, I, I I had a note that said like the least believable part of this movie isn't the supernatural dude with the hook for a hand. It's the white woman that actually gets arrested after charging police with the fucking knife. Oh no, and then the black woman not getting gun down immediately when she charges the police with the butcher's knife i was gonna say like that that black lady did not get shot and that white lady actually went to jail like this none of this like, track no it's, yeah who the fuck's writing this horse shit this clearly yeah, wasn't was like, this is clearly like, this written clearly by fiction. a fact, dude or by a white clearly fi- yeah, this, yeah. Well, this is clearly written this is clearly fiction by a hack <laughs> it's like none of this happens in reality anymore although they do let the white woman out of custody even though she killed the dog like attacked a woman and it's May still... is suspected of kidnapping and possibly killing. Well, so that's, baby. that's what literally makes no sense to me. She's allowed out on bail, and like it's not they didn't get the baby back. There's no fucking way they let her out if they thought she'd kidnapped a baby. Like, <laughs> yeah. are they out of your fucking mind? She'd be getting grilled by 400 different fucking cops until she told them where the baby was. Or like, like followed around, you know, by cops. The, like, the only the only reason I can possibly see for them letting her go is so potentially they'll lead her to the kid. And yeah. like they're clearly not keeping an eye on her once they fucking let her go. They're just like, yeah, no. she'll be fine, she'll come back. So just a nice, yeah. nice upstanding it's a nice white, white lady. lady. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but no, I agree with you in terms of you saying, you know, like this is more more of a high concept kind of, you know, it's 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 not you're right. It's not in like the same tier as like a shining or something like that. But for me, it's closer to things like uh, Rosemary's Baby or Suspiria or the Ex- Exorcist or like Midsummer yeah. or something like that, where it's not just another slasher movie, even though this did end up becoming sort of a series that maybe in the later install installations, you know, or, you know, there were only three, but like definitely leaned a little bit more into that slasher idea after the first movie. Yeah. Cause like I wouldn't, it's funny that this becomes a franchise kind of after the fact, because it doesn't really lend itself to that. It, it does feel, this feels pretty self-contained. It's almost like a hybrid movie. Weirdly enough. Like it's almost like those seventies, more like psychological supernatural horrors, like the Rosemary's baby and like and the Omen, psychological Exorcist. thriller kind of. Yeah. And then like with that kind of stuff, but then with the, the slasher trappings thrown on top of it. So it's like, it's got its feet in both worlds and it may be a little muddled also because of it trying to kind of bridge the gap between mm-hmm. what is essentially like schlock B movie horror and what was in the seventies. Like those were, high end high brow fucking like working directors making high quality horror movies mm-hmm. also you know what i mean like it's william friedkin and richard donner and that kind of stuff it's i mean you say what you want about fucking what's his name polanski too like they were making actual film not just like oh uh, we want to see tits and blood you know like yeah. which is what kind of the slasher movies are and become more and more right so it's 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 in that weird yeah in it's in this weird spaces. liminal space between the two of them where it's kind of hard to like what elements of this that are schlock should I really be criticizing because some of that just comes straight from the slasher side of this and then mm-hmm. but then it's got all this artsy pretense that is also mixed with the schlock so it's 
interesting but muddled as a result and I it, guess, it that comes across at. for me in the pacing of this too like the pacing oh God, is a yeah. little bit strange because it has partially the pacing of a psychological thriller but it also has some of those pacing elements of of a slasher too and it's almost like per scene there's like like yeah. some scenes play like slasher scenes so you yeah. get real jazzed up and then it goes into this like we're gonna go into this stretch where they just talk for like an hour yeah. about the psychology of what's going on and like great but who are we selling to like what's the target audience like what are we doing here it's it's yeah. difficult to get into a flow of watching the movie when like you get high action for like 30 seconds and then all of a sudden it's just like all right now we're going to talk about what's going on for an hour yeah and some of the performances are like a little so so um, yeah yeah no and i think that's part of why it this movie didn't do super well in theaters but definitely did end up with a cult following because i think yeah. and and another reason that i think it's rife for film analysis kind of thing is because you can frame it you can put it in a, in three or four different boxes kind of thing and look at it from each of those standpoints and you get a different uh, a different read out of it kind of thing yeah it was definitely like triggering my film school like oh we're having a seminar discussion kind of nerd brain where i was like all these things i want to point out blah blah because it's also shot very well like it's shot very very intently the cinematography is quite well done in this movie too so like it's and like it uses sound in interesting ways like the score is very good and very very atmospheric (laughs) and very very prominent to the point where it kind of spoils certain scenes for you because it's almost kind of foreshadowing what's gonna about to happen like you get way too prominent like cue ups into jump scares and stuff like that so that you are cued by the music almost immediately like something is coming basically without whereas normally you would kind of go down to like no no music keep it silent jump scare bring the score back in this is like nope score right along the whole way kind of tell you what's going on Uh, so that's a little weird but like yeah it's got all the the bits of a bigger kind of horror movie like that kind of 70s horror movie and yeah it it gets there to like it's like 75 percent of the way there kind of thing you know but then the schlock of the the slasher stuff kind of holds it back yeah you know so yeah and then it's like how do you read it like because you have that option like to read it a bunch of different ways like is she going crazy is he a demon thing like why did the demon thing that is now why is what got me was like why is why would a black man who was killed that way come back and kill fellow black people in the projects because they said his name three times and like none of it tracks logically in that way kind of yeah thing. there's some so, gaps in that in that for sure so, i i do like well to, to go back to the score uh like i said it's philip glass philip glass yeah. is a fucking like legendary Composer, not just for film scores. He's a yep. you know, one of the biggest living composers out there, period. Uh, but he's also, like our listeners might know him from, he did the Truman Show, Truman Show soundtrack as well. The Illusionist. He also, if you've ever seen the non-narrative movies, the Katsi trilogy, he did all the music from those too. And that oh. those soundtracks have gotten pulled off and yep. used in all kinds of other stuff as well over the years too. So it, there's a lot of stuff that you probably don't know is Philip Glass, but, but is, and the, like a lot of his work on its own, like he's got his Philip Glass ensemble and stuff is, is really good too. And yeah, here, like I really like how he uses that like church style music and well, it's, it's all it's like piano organ and vocal like kind of yeah. exclusively really yeah it's, it's very haunting because of that but it is also like very on the nose and like you can't do vocal choir like that subtly 
You know what I mean? Like it, it just it's blast or nothing basically, yeah. right? When it comes to that, so it does kind of overwhelm certain parts of the movie because like it's very well yeah. written and stuff, but it's like it's so big yeah, that for it's sure. it's a little bit much. But like I like I said, this is actually I went back and looked for the score afterwards because I was like, this is pretty good. I'm interested in like just how it was made and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, the the fact that it is so churchy kind of thing sort of plays off the idea that like these types of urban legends can become somewhat like religion in these communities. Like, you know, both have African-American culture in general is very heavy with like that oral tradition sort of thing, which also the church is also really full of too. So yeah, it's definitely a unique score. And I, I mean, it definitely felt that along with those long overhead shots and stuff like that felt like super shining to me. Yeah, very Kubricky. That's where, like, that's where it started to like come full circle for me. It was like when he starts doing those long overhang shots with the score over top of it. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I get it. I saw The Shining a couple times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It also shares a lot with The Shining in terms of like it just has a massive sense of place. Like in this case, yeah. Chicago as a city uh, is you know, basically a, an extra character in this movie and has such a just amazing sense of place overall. Like I said, those overhead shots of Chicago, which today would be done by drone, but then, then would have had to be done with like helicopter. a stabilized, like gyro stabilized fucking camera strapped to a helicopter Yeah, going over the streets. So, and it, it uses the architecture and sort of street layouts of Chicago to strong effect. Like, I know we talked about this when we were talking about the Dark Knight, where there's like those sub-level streets kind of thing. It uses those to really good effect in a couple of shots, too. And also like the channels and rivers that are running through the city where Helen is going to jump off one of the bridges at one point. Like, those are really recognizable as as being you know downtown Chicago landmarks as well. So, yeah. I said, I love Chicago as a city. It has just such amazing character. And this was just a perfect, perfect setting for this. Yeah. Chicago's a fun town. I like, I've, I haven't spent a ton of time in Chicago, but the time I have spent has been great. Good crowds. You know what I mean? Good concert crowds. Yeah. Good what, what, why else would I go to Chicago? Like, to be honest. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. No, good crowds in Chicago. Yeah. Pizza's good too. I don't want to get into that conversation. <laughs> Oof, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you're talking. That's about... a debate for another episode. Yeah, exactly. Four hour episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, let's talk performances. I mean, Tony Todd just brings such amazing fucking presence to this role. His voice is outstanding, say, and it does not even Tony Todd. Tony Todd's voice does like a hundred percent of the heavy lifting in this movie. <laughs> like true. his voice is basically Candyman at this point. Like I think they still use his voice in the new movie, like in the trailers and stuff. Did they not? Just to yeah, like, as a because it doesn't apparently. sound like him. Like, is it even Candyman at that point anymore? Yeah, you know, he's a son of Moog. He was he played in Star Trek. He's been I, all I can see that. Oh, I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, he's been in all kinds of fucking stuff. Yeah. He also does like all kinds of voice work for. Oh yeah, man, video, he's in like all know, the video games, TV, yeah, uh, TV movies, animated, yeah. I think he's in one of the God of War games at one point. He's in all kinds of shit in video game land. Like, he does voice work constantly. I mean, who, he sounds like a demon. I don't want to cast aspersions on the man, but I have questions about like where he comes from with that fucking voice, because it's like, it's smooth and evil all at the same time, and I love it. He's just cast him as the devil, just until he can't do it no more, because he's got the voice for it, so. Yeah, absolutely. I love, uh, yeah, but he's also, yeah, he's very physically imposing. I don't think they cast anybody in this movie aside from him who was above six feet tall. So he looms over every shot that he's in. Yeah, for sure. It kind of some of the shots kind of felt like shots of me and like Tim and Christy back in the day. Like, 
these two regular sized or not quite so regular sized people of this fucking monster looking behind them. Yeah. But yeah, like that shot when he's in the um they first show him in the parking garage. Yeah. And he's backlit and stuff. And he looks like he's like fucking twelve feet tall. So imposing, yeah. Yeah, it's terrifying. So like, yeah, it's he's excellent in this. And he plays the role like as arch as he needs to and like he's excellent at it. I don't know, everybody's like everybody plays their role well in this movie. Um, it's just like, is the role well written or not? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. scumbag guy is excellent as scumbag guy. But before, like, before we get to scumbag guy, do you know they wanted fucking Eddie Murphy first? Yeah, play, I saw that on TV shows. Like, what? What? <laughs> like, I cannot imagine this fucking movie with like little five foot something, no. you know, five, five foot four or whatever fucking Eddie Murphy playing Candyman. You need Tony Todd with his like evil James Earl Jones voice yeah. to fucking do this shit, you know? I'm sure. Like, yeah. There's nobody else you could do, get to do uh, this properly. So yeah, uh, I mean, I've met Tony Todd because of this fucking movie. He does cons constantly. Oh, I'm sure, he does this yeah. movie, and like he's a fucking super nice dude. Like we met him at uh, Hamilton Comic Con like two years ago or something like that. He was. Just, it like, seems like one of those guys there. that would just be like a gentle giant kind of dude. I, he was just the nicest guy. I was like, dude, I love you in Star Trek. And he's like, oh, thank God. Most people talk to me about Candyman. I'll talk about Star Trek. He said they're talking about Star Trek for 15 fucking minutes because he's <laughs> he was Worf's brother and like half dozen episodes like he did that character from tng through deep space nine like this okay. moved over and stuff so like he was there too kern kern yeah son of moog anyway yeah uh, so, and then i i i the helen like character Virginia Madsen was, is good she's like, good she's, and she's yeah. she gives she gives a really intense strong performance yeah. it's just how well you feel that that character is written in the end right yeah, that's my real problem with it is more the writing kind of lets her down more than anything else like her performance is strong I mean, what more do you want? She's like Hollywood pretty Jillian Anderson or whatever. I don't know what else. Or like pre Jillian Anderson. Pre, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. No, she's good in the like in her role. I just yeah, I have questions about like the writing of that role basically because like she gets all the all of the hysterical woman in horror tropes kind of get laid right on her, as well as a bunch of like the psycho crazy like Hitchcocky horror like blonde Hitchcock character horror tropes get laid on her also. Yeah. You know what I mean? So she gets a lot of shit that maybe. Well, I I feel like ultimately, again, this depends on how you read the movie. I feel like ultimately she's the antagonist in the fucking movie. Depending again, depending on like how you want to read it, because the way that I read it is is Helen internalizes the legend to the point where she believes it so deeply that she starts to subconsciously make it real, and she starts to you know bring Candyman to life, kind of thing. So. Yes, this is a movie you could read very differently depending on whether you believe Candyman is real or not or is just urban legend that somehow infects people kind of thing. And like is that how you read it? Like when you're watching this movie yeah, you read it as this time crazy. this time for okay. sure. And like this time I've been on record I'm sure on the podcast as saying the whole like it was all in your head the entire time is a trope that's fucking done to death and super yeah. overused these days but i think that this is a solid example of that because i i like that idea of you know this white woman that has like a fucking like white savior complex that thinks that she's gonna you know her big break is gonna be like writing her this. husband's cheating on her blatantly in front of her also yeah yeah that's know, the problem her, her I have big break every is... trope every trope she they could possibly lay on this woman like as a character they do like her, her husband's cheating on her yeah. she feels academically slash like employment wise kind of inadequate or not treated fairly because she's a woman like that which kind is of all there, which too. is all valid but 100%. i think percent but, but, but the, you can't like, do it you can't do them all you know what i mean like she, yeah they do every single one and it's like all right 
So he's cheating on her and she feels inadequate at her job and this, that, and the other thing. And she's got white savior complex and her best friend's a black woman. So she's got some kind of white liberal guilt yeah. probably going on there. We're going to do this. All right. What other tropes do we need to lay on her? This poor woman, poor Virginia Madsen. <laughs> so the way, the way that I read it, you're like, yes, they're, they're definitely going maybe a little overboard with her. The way that I read it was like, you know, this woman has her issues but the correct way to address those is not to try and capitalize on black trauma to, you know, make to get your big break or whatever. Right. Like yeah. it, all the fact that she has all that stuff stacked against her still means, you know, she still has tons of white privilege below all of that. That means that she's had a much easier fucking life, obviously, like look at her apartment and shit than than, you know, the people that are living in Cabrini Green. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like, yeah, there, there is, there's definitely a lot of ways that you can interpret that character and yeah, there is a lot going on, probably too much going on in that. Yeah. There's there's probably a little bit too much going on with that character. And again, that, that is, I think probably a factor of, you know, like probably by this age, like middle-aged white dude writing uh, a white character that a white female character that he probably, I don't know, probably thought was really progressive or something like that, but in hindsight is kind of a mess. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, everybody else is serviceable. Not Amanda Seyfried cries through every scene she's in. Yeah. She's, uh, good. she's got a good pretty. scream, which you need. She's very pretty. Movie. So she does exactly what she needs to be, which is supposed to be the, the pretty young thing that catches the eye of the scumbag professor. So that he leaves his ridiculously attractive Virginia Madsen looking wife. Cause okay, sure. Everybody's scumbag. The woman Token plays Franny is fine. She's fine. She, I feel like she's in a ton of this, a ton of these movies as the token black friend. Also, that actress has shown up in other places oh, yeah. as like white Casey lady's Lemons, friends. I guess is the actress's name. Yeah, I'm sure she's been in other stuff. Yeah. I didn't look everybody up in this movie. She's. I mean, she's definitely been in a number of other. She doesn't seem to do much these days, but in the nineties. Well, no, what I mean, like in the nineties, she looks like one of those people who was in like every nineties movie. Yeah, as like yeah, the token kind of. black best friend or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, you know, she was fine. All the cops and all those people. Wonderful. The one the one that struck me as weird, and I think this is probably a directing choice more than anything, was Anne Marie at times, uh the the mother character. She came across like a little bit kind of like really sort of stereotypical and maybe kind of minstrel showy at a couple of, of parts, the way that they played her character. She didn't look like she had the most experience acting. Is probably what the problem was, and then was directed yeah, to too. kind of play that role that way, kind of thing. Yeah. I don't, I never saw her in anything else. Like I don't recognize that actress. No, no anywhere I else. I don't so. know what she did a whole lot of besides that. So uh, she's she might have been like a local actress that did not do much. I guess. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. In terms of sort of production designy kind of stuff, uh, I I did some. The graffiti worked in some places and didn't other. Like it was a interesting choice to try and highlight. You know the the urban legends and stuff like that in some of the graffiti and paintings, but some of them just weren't executed super well. I don't know what else the, I, I, the swarming bees is always like super powerful imagery that I like really associate with, with these movies in general, with Candyman in general. And it's really, really solid imagery. Yeah. There's like using the bees kind of gave him an identity outside of just like hook hand. black man in pimp jacket with hook. Yeah, basically, because that's the like my only real takeaway from some of the production is like, why did they put him in a pimp jacket? <laughs> that's a little yeah. weird. Alicia guys. had that question too. She sat and watched most of this movie with me. It was like, yeah, 
yeah, I don't, I don't really understand why he's wearing a pimp jacket. Yeah, that was my biggest question. I think when I was like, "Wait, that's a pimp jacket. Why is he wearing that?" All right, I guess cool. But that shot with all the bees like in his mouth in particular, and like mm-hmm. swarming around his chest and everything, that's like a fucked up image and one of those ones that made a big impression on me and that I always remember from this movie, even though it's been, I mean, it was on the fucking posters and stuff too. So that helps. But, and also that, uh, that whole sequence. Oh shit. Her sassy black friend was the sassy black friend in fucking silence is in silence of the lambs too. That's why you know her from like, because she's Jodie Foster's black friend in Quantico. That's in silence of the lambs. Oh, exactly the same role. <laughs> like that's like the year before that too. Fuck. Yeah, she put and then she's in Hard Target with fucking Jean Claude Van Damme a couple years later. But yeah, no, she was in <laughs> Silence of the Lambs in '91, and then in Candyman is like, goddamn, the same role in 1992. Wow. And I bet you she was in a bunch of other shit as as that particular role too, going through yeah. the '90s. So either way, that's just, that's <laughs> fucking funny. That's exactly the same woman. Because like, she looks familiar. Is there can't they wouldn't cast the same person in both movies? Yup. Yep, yeah. they did. It was like, well, that black lady worked. Let's cast her again. Yeah. Whoops. Oh, the one thing, the, uh, the other thing I'll give this movie credit for in terms of how the female characters are written, it definitely passes the Bechdel test. There's a number of female characters that talk directly to each other about things that are not just a man or a male character or something like that. Unless you consider them talking about Candyman, them talking about a man, then yes, it probably actually no there probably are some scenes where it does pass the Bechdel test doesn't it yeah i don't i counted at least a couple i don't watch movies analyzing that kind of stuff that's on (laughs) you and you social justice warriors can do all that all day you want i have cinematography to look at boys this movie was well shot so yeah there's that oh yeah that that whole sequence uh towards the end with Candyman and helen like where he's carrying her like through the sort of the makeshift church yeah. atmosphere kind of thing with the pillars and everything that was all shot really, really well too. And then he like, he lays her on the altar and movie was surprisingly well made for like what it is. You know what I mean? It's got it like from a, a movie that's from the same era as like child's play. Yeah. Like this is a much better movie than child's play. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I know I'm kind of shitty got it a little bit, but like it, it holds together a lot better than I would have ever given it credit for. And it holds together a lot better than something like, child's play or any of the nightmare on elm streets from that era also yeah. you know i mean like there's, there's just a lot more you can say about it kind of thing yeah there's there's more like obviously more i would never have expected us to spend like an hour and a fucking half talking about this movie but here we are <laughs> yeah. yeah so there you go yeah see let's get into some gripes then we've already had a few but yes it has a good number of those obnoxious jump scares that i just fucking can't stand it's like and they're not, and they're not even well done movies. either like they're so blatant and obvious yeah. as you're coming up to them and it's like it's not even a jump scare if i know the jump scare is coming it's not a jump scare guys like when I, I hate it when they put in a fucking music beat even on yeah. top of the fake ones yeah even on top of the fucking like fake out like oh it's actually the husband that's just jumping in or you know it's just helen sticking her head through the fucking medicine cat the hole in the wall again and like you're the horror guy man i don't know what you're complaining about i'm the one who's got to live with this stuff when we watch it <laughs> and try to analyze it yeah. <laughs> like it's an actual movie and not just like some schlock <laughs> what well, and that's one of those things that i always appreciate when horror does scares effectively without resorting to that cheap Agreed, fucking yeah. bullshit so and that's one of these things that this does pull over from the slasher genres those that cheap shit and it's really weird because the cheap shit kind of diffuses the tension that it's building also. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it does a pretty good job of being like, it's very unsettling. Like you're 
nervous as you go like as they're going into the projects like that's a, not the fucking coolest experience you know what i mean like mm. they're scared and they, they make you feel scared and claustrophobic they're in these tight little hallways and all that kind of stuff so like and then they undercut it by doing these fucking jump scares over and over again right like it it cuts the kubrickian slash hitchcocky knot of tension yeah you keep doing the the dumb cat jumps out of the fucking pile of refuse kind of scares over and over again and that's kind of one of the biggest points to this movie's detriment is that it does kind of still want to do the 90s slasher trope like jump scares but lean into that more like heady kind of horror at the same time and i don't think you can really do like hitchcocky and tension building and be doing like cat jumps out and fucking fake jump scares you like i don't think it works properly yeah. to do it that way so yeah yeah it's it's a weird genre mixy kind of thing that doesn't really so, work in this yep else there's definitely some terminology in this movie that wouldn't pass muster today like oh, using like slurs for neurodivergent people and that kind of thing and yeah so i mean that's that's just a you know case of it not aging well it's the 90s what are you gonna do yeah, exactly. Uh, I had the same thing. I really could have fucking done without the dog being beheaded. Yeah, I don't like that in horror. You get your like it's it's that like dogs and rape. It's like the two things. Like we just don't need to do this anymore in horror movies. Yeah. All right, like we're done. You can Thank get you. there without this. <laughs> yeah, if you can't, and if you can't, rethink what you're doing with your existence. Like yeah. you're probably not cut out to be doing movies because that's yeah. blunt instrument horror shit. Like it's, be better. Exactly. So. And then the only other uh, gripe that I had that we haven't already talked about is there's a really terrible wig when the like st- Helen stunt person stand in is crawling out of the bonfire at the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and clearly like also wearing, you know, one of the fire suit kind of things. Yeah. She, had the she supposed clearly to be, like, had the jelly on her and stuff like that too. Like yeah. she's very shiny, which <laughs> all right. Yeah. What are you going to do? Well, that was one of those things that like, you know, probably you wouldn't have noticed like watching on tv or something like that or you wouldn't have noticed it on vhs you wouldn't have seen the detail you know what i mean when you're watching it on a 65 inch tv it definitely tracks differently even only at 1080p i was still like oh there's some details they probably did not want me to see up (laughs) close and in digital so yeah that's problematic especially with 4k upscaling like these panels are really good boys (laughs) i mean i got nvidia graphics fucking upscaling all this stuff for me (laughs) i can see everything all of a sudden (laughs) But that being said, the majority of it held up pretty well, even in no, HD. I mean, so there's the only other like weird effect shot that like you could seriously tell that it's like an effect shot is like him getting craned out of the window. Basically, oh, yeah. like he's so clearly on a fucking harness and stuff like that. Yeah, where they, they pull him have... back. Yeah, yeah. So that, I mean, other than that, like that kind of stuff. I mean, they didn't spend a ton of money on this movie. I'm assuming the budget was something like twenty million dollars or whatever, right? Like not even. I think it was like nine million. Nine. Well, there you go. Yeah. I mean. They put together a pretty solid movie for nine million dollars. So yeah, for sure. And then they make on it. They must have made like imagine the DVD residuals on a nine million dollar movie though. Like this movie's been selling DVDs for fucking twenty years. Yeah, box office was only like twenty five, twenty six million, but yeah, it definitely has. They a made their fucking money back following. then, right? So oh yeah, I mean, this is one of those movies that like you know would just the, every fucking video store would have at least a couple of copies kind of thing right oh man yeah absolutely because yeah. like there's always a generation of dorks getting into horror that have yeah. to go back and like candy is one of those movies that, like we talk about right so and here we are 20 years later fucking doing an episode about it <laughs> like a week after its sequel ish thing came it's, out it is a direct sequel apparently a sequel? Yeah. Uh-huh. 
I'll find out this week. I'm going to go see it. Yeah, this is a weird artifact probably as well of that video store culture in that and the sort of lost art of box art, right? Like, I'm sure that the box art and the the imagery, yeah, the eye with the B or the hook or whatever that showed up on different covers of this movie definitely would have, like, sold some people on on this movie been like that looks like a fucked up fucking movie i'm gonna pick that up kind of thing i, I remember the D, the cd cover or the tv fuck vhs cover wow format brain just gone is <laughs> definitely like the red eye with the b the one like yeah. that's the post i think that was the poster too but yeah, yeah and, that's the, what and I, the silhouette of Candyman in the eye uh oh yeah yeah, yeah my mpp's in there yeah. there you go cool yeah, yeah it's a blood red eye cool yeah. yeah anything else you want to say before we um wrap this up I mean, see, I, w- I wish I'd seen the other one so that I kind of like compare and contrast a little bit better. But mm. no, I mean, in terms of like, if you're going to go rewatch this movie, like, I definitely think if you're in the mood to watch this movie or you have never seen it before, it's definitely worth a watch. Yeah, I wouldn't. Ver- and this is me saying that I'm usually not the guy who's going to recommend horror fucking anything to anybody unless <laughs> it's like of the tippity top kind of quality. I'm usually very picky about the kind of horror movies I watch as Tim has found out as he puts this kind of schlocky shit in front of me. And I'm like, this is garbage. We're going to tear it apart. He's <laughs> like, no, I like it. I'm having fun. I'm like, no, 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 no. Fun is over. Now it's time to rip <laughs> it apart. No, this was pretty good. I wouldn't have watched this on my own, but I was glad we kind of sat down and looked at it because it, yeah, it held up pretty well for me in that weird, like Kubricky kind of way yeah. that it has. So, and obviously, it gave us like 60 minutes worth of shit to talk about that I was not expecting. I was expecting us to get through the plot and be like, wow, <laughs> blood boobs, right? Yeah. <laughs> Very fake blood boobs as well. Like, th- yeah. those were not hanging properly, you could tell. Well, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> the 90s, man. Uh, all right, well, then let's give this a rating and a 10 in sort of your final thoughts. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give it like, I'm going to say like an 8 out of 10. It's solid horror with some good social commentary baked in. And that's like what I like in horror for sure. Uh, There's definitely parts of it that haven't aged well, but I feel like there's enough well-intentioned stuff in there that you can still get something good out of it. But I mean, having stepped away from this movie from probably almost 20 years, I think I can say now that this is one that I'll probably put back into like my sort of semi-regular Halloween rotation, like something I'll probably want to watch like every couple of years from now on. Fair enough. I mean, okay. I would give it a 7.5. It, I have little issues with it, but for the most part, like I was actually pleasantly surprised sitting down to watch it. So yeah. I, then like, I'm way more curious to watch the sequel now than I should be. <laughs> so I'll probably go check that out this week and we can talk about that at some point, but yeah, 7.5. Uh, yeah. I don't have a ton to like really bitch about at the end. It's just, it's a solid horror movie. It's got some muddled messaging, but I think, Overall, like it holds together better than any of its contemporaries by a long shot. You know what I mean? Like it's the last of those like slasher movies before Scream kind of pops up, really, right? Like the last new one before that uh, sea change happens in horror. Yeah, where you start uh, going in, like, into the meta horror kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, start getting into the meta side of stuff. Like this is still like pre that kind of thing. Like this this predates New Nightmare and all that kind of stuff too, right? So. Ah, uh, yeah, I guess it's like the last best example of the slasher genre. Candyman kind of stands out, I guess, right? Like, I don't know. They don't do this kind of shit anymore. Like, you don't, it, it's that weird mix of slashers with 
Well, not, yeah, you don't get anything like this. You don't get much like this that has that sort of hybrid feel to it. You know, it's all like everything is kind of strict slasher and more in like the B-side schlocky kind of thing rather than... Yeah, or now you're like like, Bloomhouse A24 stuff. This is probably, that that probably is a Bloomhouse A24 production, the new Candyman. If I, I didn't even know, I didn't look. But it feels like that's kind of where this would like land in terms of the storytelling tropes and stuff like that, like for the new one. No, it's Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele made it with uh, Monkey Pot Productions with his production company. Okay. Well, Which I mean, makes sense. That makes just as much sense as what I was talking about. So, yeah. yeah. No, that... With uh, U- Universal and MGM are backing it. Was he just trying to become like the fucking horror meister for the 21st century? Is that like his plan now? Basically, yeah. I mean, think he's trying to fill that niche of, of black horror in particular, which, That's you know, cool. without Candyman. We, I mean, something eventually else would have come along, but yeah, like yeah, this is this, this is kind is, of the first, like, yeah. yeah, this is probably, especially in terms of that, like that audience, like that, like black audience, this is probably the first like horror movie where they're like, oh shit, like that's kind of us, like in there, even yeah, if it is a white it's not lady, just black exploitation kind of thing, yeah, and even though he's in a pimp jacket, so it's like it's got that. See, like it's still in his DNA, bit, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's still there, but it is kind of like, see, he doesn't act like that, right? Like he never has that, yeah. Like I do that shtick kind yeah, of thing yeah it's like it's almost like he's taking it back in a way and i'm not gonna say that he is because you know i don't know that's weird but because yeah. i'm a white guy and i shouldn't be saying shit like that I guess. <laughs> yeah it doesn't have that that like uh shafty kind of feel yeah yeah it definitely doesn't have like the i think the heart like quentin tarantino would have a boner kind of black yeah. exploitation <laughs> kind of movie kind of thing so all right, so that is everything we thought about the first Candyman movie. So let's move on to our final uh, segment, which is Geek Cred, where we just recommend something that we appreciate or enjoy that we think that you might enjoy as well. So, Mark, what's your Geek Cred for this week? Oh, man, I watched the first two episodes of What We Do in Shadows. That show's still the funniest <laughs> fucking thing on TV. Like, yeah. It is a genius television show. Third episode was good, too. I haven't watched the third one yet. I'm going to watch it now. So uh, shut up. Also, <laughs> shut up. Don't spoil anything for me. No, the first two episodes, I was in fucking tears like five minutes in. Yeah. Like, when they were explaining the murders and stuff like that from the end of last year, I was just like, I'm on board. I love this show. So, yeah, if uh, you... <laughs> and they, them trying to feed Guillermo fucking raw chicken because they think that's what he eats. <laughs> They're just throwing it at him. The fucking... The bit where, like, they keep sending different vampires in dressed as Nandor to hit on the lesbian girl at the counter yeah, almost fucking killed me. It was so awkward, like, with the cringe. Like, just so awkward. Yeah. But I, I don't know what's happening, but Laszlo is becoming my spirit animal this oh, year. Because he's just like, fuck all of this shit. Fuck yeah, off. He's, I don't he's, got the, he's got his porn library now. That's yeah, all he wants. That's all he gives a shit about. Is like, he's like, I can't believe the, the depravity that I've been like yeah. lacking in my life until now. <laughs> he's just obsessed with this new porn. Yeah. Oh my god, it's so good. <laughs> Either way, so what we do in Shadows, just fucking genius. Get into that shit. It's yeah. so fucking funny. Absolutely. My geek cred for this week is an online vendor that I just got uh, a nice order from it is called surfside sips the website is surfsidesips.com and uh, it's this dude from i think he's in like hawaii that uh, does pulled and blown glass straws so like reusable straws because we'd been looking for kind of we haven't really been using plastic straws for a while for like our cocktails and cupcakes or just like making drinks around the house or whatever but we'd uh, move to like metal straws or paper straws but 
these are are really nice and a little bit more stylish kind of thing. They make oh they also make like a nice like little glass cocktail picks as well for like your garnishes. So yeah, it's just a nice way to avoid using single-use disposable plastic or paper straws. And they have some really fun designs as well. The thing that drew me to them was they make like straws that are like shaped like bamboo. So they're fun to use in like tiki drinks, that kind of thing. They also have ones that are shaped like bones that all like break out at Halloween and like picks that are shaped like bones. They have tentacle ones that are called straw thulu and like oh i like that that's that's dope that one i like yeah i like that (laughs) uh and even uh like they they have uh, lightsabers and a few different color lightsaber straws as well so yeah so i i the guy's really nice he even like sent me an email like after i placed my order and said like really appreciate your order i'm gonna get working on it right away he makes everything like custom but even that i think it only came like took like two weeks and was coming from the u.s so it's not the hardest thing to blow out of class just just true but i mean like some of these are clearly you know more advanced than just a a fucking glass tube kind of thing so i just the the glass blowing people in school were always like the most pretentious fucks on the fucking campus (laughs) driving me crazy yeah yeah you just draw you don't understand what the real art's like like oh i hope you burn (laughs) yourself you fucker and like the next time you'd see them, they'd have some bandage up their arm. Did you burn yourself? I'm like, that's fucking karma, you fucker. Yeah. Either oh. way, I'm sure you got this. Oh, and they also have a bunch of straws that have like little uh, glass, like critters blown onto them and stuff, like little animals cool. and stuff too. So a lot, of, that. a lot of really awesome. cute, cute stuff. And so, yeah, surfsidesips.com. I got to get more fucking metal straws to like take with me when I go out. <laughs> I yeah, fucking, I always keep a couple. I hate the now. fucking paper straws. They yeah. drive me insane. I think Tim and I, as we've been going back to the movies, I'm like, every time we get there, I'm like, oh, fuck. I always forget these fucking paper straws that like <laughs> rot out by like halfway through the movie and I'm mm-hmm. sucking pulping them. Uh, yeah. I hate it. I got to remember to start bringing like a metal straw when we go to the movies yeah. or just buying bottles of pop, I guess, instead. It's the fun in that fountain soda is like half the fun of a fucking in person. Fucking movie. a, that's what I mean. Yeah. Trust me, I'm like I'm movie like diehard guy. I want my yeah. fountain coke. You know, there's I mean? definitely so. definitely different difference between. Uh, oh, yeah, because it's bricks properly. God damn it! As opposed to this bottled shit that they fucking the swill that they send you. Yeah, outside <laughs> of the whatever the bricks yeah. is sweeter. It always is. Agreed. Oh, and uh, my other geek cred. Uh, the, as we're well, you only get this. one. Come on, Tim. I got well, this one's this. important because and it's time sensitive. Because uh, just please vote in the Canadian federal elections. Oh fuck! Up. So it's uh, it'll, you know about you're a week after this it. episode drops. So yeah, yeah. Don't fucking. I I've not. I hadn't seen any PPC signs oh, until down here. Well, until I drove. I I was down visiting my uh, sister and her husband in Fort Erie a couple days ago on Labor Day. And uh, yeah, definitely saw some down there, but luckily none in our neighborhood. Plenty of, awesome. of conservative party of Canada signs, but no PBC signs. I've seen absolutely no red or orange signs. I've seen lots of blue and purple ones, though, and I'm getting real nervous about living in St. Catharines again. Jesus. So yeah, yeah. please yeah. do vote. Yeah, because I'm assuming our listeners will be, will be voting a little bit more strategically than that. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. do your thing, please. All right, so with that, we'll finish up this episode. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any thoughts about uh, any of the news we covered or Candyman or you've seen the new Candyman movie and you want to recommend that we see it or... No spoilers. No spoilers. No spoilers, though. Yep. Uh, Then you can talk to us on our Facebook page uh, where I will be back 
before too much longer, uh, which is facebook.com slash dance robot dance podcast. You can tweet at us. Yeah, that, now that I think about it, actually, <laughs> you should uh, tweet at us at DRD underscore podcast. You can tweet at me at DRD underscore Tim. You can tweet at Mark at M underscore roulette, uh, or you can check out Mark's Instagram at MT underscore roulette. And you can email us at dance robot dance podcast.com dance robot dance podcast at gmail.com. Yep. That's the one. Uh, and if you are not already subscribed to our podcast, you can do so on Google podcasts, Apple podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, most other places that podcasts can be found. And uh, if you like the episode, feel free to share with a friend, give us a rating. Those are the sorts of things that get us more listeners so we can keep doing this. Although I, we don't ever really check how many actual listeners we have. Cause I look occasionally it's depressing. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. but then you go back to like the early episodes and you're like, Oh, like hundreds of people have downloaded this. So, what I always like is when you see like the hundreds of people who have downloaded who have never downloaded an episode again. That's where it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, we we the problem is we started out rough. <laughs> I mean, every podcast fucking starts out rough, but that's true. That's true. <laughs> so, and also, not a podcast you would want to listen to from the beginning. I don't know what kind of crazy person would start this from the beginning. It just feels like the kind of thing you jump into the middle of and get used <laughs> to. I guess. Yeah, for sure. Because like. Why do you want to listen to 268 episodes of this horseshit? Especially when it was worse than it is now. What? <laughs> really anyway. selling it there. I know. I'm working I mean, real you're, hard. You're selling the podcast to people that already listen to it because that's true. That's what so. these people are already listening to. It. These guys know what I think already. <laughs> so. All right. So we will say good night and we will talk to you next week. And uh, Candyman. 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 I guess looking into a webcam, it's kind of like looking into a mirror, right? Like there's a CCD in there that's got a mirror, so. There's a mirror over there. So if we both end up, you know, fucking torn apart, stem to stern, you guys will know why.